through some things about that, uh, pre-King James, obviously. Uh, I can't wait when we do get to the King James. Uh, there's so much there. We'll be on it for a very long time because we'll be mining out many things and showing you many things that most people have never learned about that issue and that all of us are going to have some new things, right, uh, to learn about that that we may not have known before. But we'll get to that. The Lord will bring us there. But right now we're do- dealing with some of that history first of that. But we're going to have a lot of Bible verses, though, this afternoon because we're going to, just like we did in the first one, there's a lot of intrinsic evidence that God gave us. So we're going to be going through. I love that. I love the fact that I can open this Bible and, and what I believe about it is in the Bible, right? Amen. It's in the scriptures. That's important. What you believe ought to be here. So when these guys talk about a non-inspired book, well, that's not, where are they getting that from? They ain't getting it from the, this book. They're getting it somewhere else. So anyway, we'll, we'll go through all that and talk about that. But for right now, we're going to talk about your heart today. Um, Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 23 Uh, preserving your heart, the believer's duty is what I titled this. And uh, we're going to go through Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 23. It's a good warning for all of us. Preaching on the heart is very important. Years ago, I preached a series a couple different times. Uh, The last time I preached something, it was eight years ago, I think eight or nine years ago, uh, a heart series that went through. This is a little different, but preaching to the heart and preaching on the heart of the believer is very important. God's people need to always be examining their hearts and understanding it. And the lost have to have the scriptures to examine their hearts with to see where they're at and see what, what God says about, about their heart and, and, and understanding that. So the lost that are among us need to have their hearts examined and the saved need to have their hearts examined, right? That we know that we are following uh, the word of God. But, but in this case, what we're going to talk about is keeping our hearts uh, and what the, the scriptural command to do that, to keep to keep our hearts. Proverbs 4.23, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a forward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. So you notice, though, what he starts with here is he starts with the heart. He doesn't start with what your hands do, what your eyes do, what your mouth says. He starts with the heart, the seat of all emotions and affections, which is for the child of God to be the throne of God, as your heart is to be the throne of God, right, Where, where God sits, where his word is written on our hearts, amen, and God sits and rules and reigns. You have a problem here today if you believe that you are to rule and reign your own heart. You have an even bigger problem today if you allow your heart to rule and reign you. That is a dangerous place to be because you will be deceived by your own heart. You and I can be deceived. We're capable of being deceived by our own hearts. Desperately wicked. Deceptive hearts. We won't talk primarily about that today, but we'll talk about how to keep our hearts, how to preserve our hearts. The command is to the child of God. Obviously, the lost cannot keep their hearts. They need the Savior, and then they can obey the commands of Scripture. Amen. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for all that you do for us. Please help us and guide us through the Scriptures. Guide our hearts, Lord. Help us to Put a watch upon our hearts. Help us to preserve our hearts as you've commanded us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Uh, if you couldn't do this, God wouldn't command you to do it. He never commands us to do things that we're not able to do in the spirit. Understand that there's a qualification there. You cannot do it in the flesh, of course. It must be done in the spirit. It must be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why God never commands a lost person to do something like that, because they can't. Or he commands them to do it uh, to prove their own inability so they fall uh, before him and they confess him as Lord and, and cry out to him to save them and to change them and give them the heart that they need. So at any rate, if you're lost and you hear those commands, it brings you to a place of helplessness, which is for you to, to look up to the Savior. Amen? But if you're saved, it brings you to a place to understand that through the Spirit, you have the power to do this because God gave it to you. Kind of like, you know how we understand things in the, that God wrote into our DNA? We look back, we look on creation, we see the adaptations and the changes in DNA or in, in that, that humans go through and that things happen. And in creation, and we see that God wrote that in their DNA to be able to do that. Well, in your spiritual DNA, God wrote those things for you to be able to obey him. When he gave you the Holy Ghost, he wrote that in there. He, he designed it that way that you would be able to, right? He wrote it on your heart. Isn't that amazing? But that's what God did. So that's why you and I are able to do that through the power of the Spirit. One said it this way, it is certainly of infinite importance that we be deeply convinced of our utter inability to do anything that is good and of our entire dependence upon God for the effectual aids of his Holy Spirit. But we must not imagine that because we have no sufficiency of ourselves to do the will of God, that we are not bound in our duty to do it or not to be exhorted and stimulated to the performance of it. Our duty is the same. Whatever be the circumstance to which we have reduced ourselves, and it is in and by our personal exertions that God has promised to work all our works in us. That's why he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It is God that works in us, and we are to work that out. We are given the power to do that by the Holy Ghost. That's why he looks at us. It's the same idea as this. When God, when God commands us in, in 1 Peter to add to our faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, uh, long-suffering, brotherly kindness, all of these things, and we are told to add those things. Why? Well, the fruit of it, or the root of it, excuse me, is faith, right? We add to our faith. God places the faith in us. He puts it inside of us when he gives us his spirit. And that's why we, that's what we have to earnestly contend for the faith, right? And then he says, now add to what I've already done. When I saved your soul and I gave you the Holy Ghost, now add to it. Now do your part. Just as remember, we preached that mini series, Joshua chapter, I think it was one through 10 or something like that. And we talked about how the co conquering Canaan was the series. And remember that what we had to do is we had to conquer Canaan. God said, yes, I'm going to give you the victory, but you have to fight. That's right. And this is the same battle. You have been given the victory, but you must fight. It's the same thing. So the command first is keep thy heart. Keep thy heart with all diligence. We won't get to the diligence part yet, but we will talk about keeping thy heart. We look at what that word means. It means to keep something. It means to preserve something, which we're going to talk about. But also it means to keep means to put a watch on it. It means to watch very closely. A watchman, a man set for a guard, one person or more, set to espy the approach of an enemy. You're to put a guard on your heart. 
That guard is the scriptures, by the way. But you're to put a guard on your heart. You're not supposed to allow your heart to lead you. I know I talked about this last week, but I will continue to talk about this. Your heart is your, is your emotions and your affections and those things. You cannot be led by your passions. You must be led by the Lord. God's children cannot allow themselves to be led by their passions. They will get into trouble quickly by being led by their passions. They must be led by the Lord. You and I aren't, aren't, aren't of the lost world that allows their hearts and their desires and their passions to rule them or to reign over them. No, we don't get to do that. We've been given his spirit not to do that. So you have to set a watch on, like Pilate said, you have your watch, go your way, right? He set the watch upon the tomb, right? He said there was a watch there already. It's a, 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 this, this place, this watchman, this is a place where a guard is kept. A watchman then in the night is to protect against always approaching and relentless enemies. Your heart has many enemies. Your heart can be an enemy to your walk with God. In this sense, it's the fallen nature of the old man that's driven by the passions, emotions, and lusts of this life that take them, that can take you if you're not careful. We're to watch our hearts. We're to guard our hearts. We're to set guards upon them. He who knows anything of himself knows how apt his affections are to go astray. How apt are our affections to go astray from what they are supposed to be and where they are supposed to be? The question is, are you guarding your heart? You guard it. The command is to keep your heart, to guard it. What are we to protect it from? I'm to guard it from evil. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. So my heart has to be checked by the truth. It has to be checked by the Holy Ghost. It has to be checked by the Word of God. It must be checked by that. It cannot be allowed to run amok and do what it wants and to go its own way and do its own thing. Whatever feels good, do it. It cannot be led like that. It cannot run you like that. So many people are not in charge of their own lives. When it comes to even Christians, they're not in charge of their own heart. They're not guarding it and keeping it, but they're allowing it to, to be unruly and to do whatever their emotions, affections, or lust take them to do. It's not how you're to live your life as a Christian. You live your life differently. You don't live it according to the set of rules that the world plays with. We don't have those rules. We're not, we're not of that kingdom. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight? <laughs> and we will one day, amen, when Jesus comes back. <laughs> but not now, in that sense. Our, spirit, our fight is spiritual. Our war is spiritual. Our battles are spiritual, right? We take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That heart is wicked, right? It's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. So I have to keep wickedness and evil from it. I can't foster on it. I can't think about it. I can't dwell on it. Some of you, by the way, if you let your thoughts go, if you let your mind go, you'll follow where your thoughts go. You, you, you will, all of us will. I don't care who you are. If you meditate on those things, if you meditate on things that you're not supposed to meditate on in your heart, you will follow that. If sin at all seems appealing unto you, as you walk in the, new, in the new man, if at all it seems appealing unto you, if you're attracted to it, you best cast it down. Be attracted to it. 
heart is wicked. I have to set a watch on my heart, a guard on my heart. Not allow evil to enter into it. Because evil comes out of it, which we'll talk about. Or to obey this direct command from God. 1 Peter 5, 8 warns us, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The devil seeks to devour the children of God. And he will use your heart. Ephesians 6 warns us to be, to be sober, or excuse me, 1 Peter 5, 8 warns us to be sober, to guard our hearts from the wicked one, who's always trying to entice. The lust comes from the heart. You wonder sometimes, where does that awful thing come from, that awful thought I just had? Well, you don't really need to debate it too long, but just know that it probably comes from your heart. And you ought not be surprised by that. Could my heart really be that wicked? Yeah, fallen nature is that wicked. Absolutely it is. Sometimes you've had some thoughts in your mind and your heart that, that they, they grip you and they, they, literally, they literally freeze you in fear and disbelief that you could ever think of something or something could come that way through your mind and heart. Yeah, it can because the heart is that filthy. That's why you and I are, are supposed, not supposed to follow our heart. That's why the guide is not how we feel the day we wake up. When we wake up in the morning, man, I feel like this and this. Does that dictate what you do? It better not. How you feel better not dictate what you do. This book is to be the dictator of what you do. Not, not the way you feel. Not your, your present circumstances. Circumstances don't change the truth of God's word. And they don't change, and they don't change by what goes on or, or, or what goes on around me. It should not change what I do as far as obedience to the Lord goes. I'm speaking of sin now, not, not decisions that you make that, are, that, have, that aren't immoral or anything like that. We're to have that breastplate and that helmet that will protect us from the fiery darts of the wicked. Here to guard your heart. The devil and your own heart and the world is always after you. Always attempts to deceive you. That's why absolute truth is not found in the way I feel. Absolute truth is found in the word of God. Amen. You and I can't just say that. We have to believe that and we have to follow that. Right? That, that's, this is absolute truth. This book. I, I, this, this is absolute truth. So, not my heart, not the way I feel, not my fears, not anything else, but what God's Word says. That's truth. That's absolute truth. That's what I can depend on, even if my circumstances look awful. Even if my situation looks terrible. Even if I feel terrible. Even if my heart condemns me. God is greater than my heart and knoweth all things. Amen. See, we love our heart, we love with our hearts, and God says, love not the world. Love is a choice, and you choose to love. It's a choice. You and I choose to love, or we choose not to. We either choose to love, we make that conscientious choice, we choose not to. But it's a choice either way. 
we love with our hearts, don't we? Colossians 3.2 says, set your affections on things above, not on things in the earth. To set my affections is to set my heart and to fix my heart on something. To be, you've heard that term fixated. They're fixated on this. Yes, we're to be fixated on heaven because that's where we're going. We need to stop looking behind us and start looking ahead of us because that's where we're going. We're not going behind us. We're going ahead of us. Psalm 57, 7, my heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Psalm 108, verse 1, O God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. Your heart is to be fixed on God. What is your heart fixed on? What are your affections set on? Are they, is, is the seat of all emotions and affections in your heart, is it set on God or is it set on yourself? Is it set on self? Is it set on pleasing me or is it set on obedience to God? To put a guard on my heart means that I direct my heart to follow God. I direct my affections and emotions to follow God not lead me. That's why the Bible warns us, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world passeth away, and the lusts thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Our love, our devotion, our hearts are to be fixed on God. Don't let your heart sway you by circumstances by emotions, by affections. Don't let your heart be taken by affections of, a, of another or of something else that is contrary to the will of God. This will disturb your peace and your walk with God. It will disturb it. Why? Because the heart is meant to love one supremely and that one is God. That's who it's meant to love. That's why he gave you the new nature. That's why he gave you his spirit. It is set to love God, and you're to set your affections on things above. You're to direct your heart. I'm to guard what I allow to even go into my heart. I'm to watch as the eyes are the gateway to the soul. I'm to be careful with that. But Jesus warned us in Mark 7. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts. The first thing he mentioned. You wonder, where did all those evil thoughts come from? From out of the heart of men. That's where they come from. A fallen nature. I'm to recognize the war as I direct my heart, as I put a guard on my heart. I'm to recognize the war between the flesh and the spirit. I'm to recognize that there's a real war there. You know what? You want to get awful discouraged? Just think in your mind that there's no flesh to battle and that's all eradicated and there must be something wrong with you because you have these things happen or these, these challenges or these everything. Boy, you want to discourage somebody. It almost turned a Harry Ironside insane because he had some sinless perfection guys tell him that, oh, you don't have any sin. You're not, if you're really saved, you shouldn't have a sin nature anymore. You don't have one anymore. It's been eradicated. So you just have, you just have the Holy Spirit now. So if you, if you sin or if you're tempted like this or if you have these things happen to you, well, then you're not really saved. Boy, that'll really, you want to talk about being discouraged. You want to, want, you want to talk about bringing yourself down. You want to talk about uh, uh, going in nuts. You just think that for a minute. 
Paul warns us in Galatians, there's a battle between the flesh and the spirit, and that battle will be here until you go home. You are not getting out of that war until you leave this earth and you drop this wicked flesh and rise. Amen. So it is a war and you better recognize that and that your heart and your affection, affections and emotions will work against you in your spiritual walk. Why? Because they're fallen. Our minds and hearts are affected by the fall. And will be till they are made new. Your mind, your heart, my mind, my heart are affected by the fall. And that's why we're given grace to walk in the Spirit. We're given the Holy Ghost of God when we get saved by the grace of God. It's because you have the victory given to you. You have the promise of victory given you. But it's not without a fight. This ain't no cakewalk. It is a war. It is a war for your children. It is a war for the souls of men. It is a war for our children's souls. It is a war for a nation that is fallen, 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 and wicked and vile and putrid, but the souls of men need warned. And they have a fighting chance if they'll repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ and be saved by the grace of God. God will be ever merciful to them. But we have to understand that it is from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. That's why you're not to allow your heart to lead you. Why? It's fallen. You have to walk in the new man, the new heart that you've been given. You have to walk in that. You have the flesh with you. You have it with you. It will war against you. It will fight against you. There will be a battle and a war that goes on. That's why you have to guard your heart. You have to direct your heart. That's why David spoke to his heart. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted me? Hope thou in God. Some people may think that you're insane. You know, they'd put us in an assail asylum when they, if they knew what we really believed. When it comes to the Bible, they'd like to, believe me. I preached on that like seven, eight years ago, ten years ago maybe now. I don't know how long ago it was, but it was a while ago. About Christians, how they, they think we're insane. Because you believe that, that the flesh has fallen and that you have the Holy Spirit of God in you. But you believe that God is in you? Yes, I do. And I believe there's a war. And there's a battle. And you've got to guard your heart. Because your heart will take you and, man, you'll start believing things that your heart speaks to you. You start believing it. Boy, your heart, I'm telling you what, your heart is one evil preacher. It is an evil preacher. I'm not kidding you. I'm dead serious when I say that. Your heart is an evil preacher and it's a fallen one and it will preach to you. It will preach to you that you don't want to follow the Lord. You don't want to go through that. You don't want to suffer for his name's sake. You don't want to go through this trial. You don't want to be honest and face the consequences for this. You don't want to deal with this. You don't want to deal with that. You don't want to work this way. You don't want to do those things, right? You're, you're not going to get anywhere. You're, you're, you're not going to. Uh, it's all in vain. Everything that you're doing is vain. You're never going to have the victory that you desire. You're never going to have all. I mean, your heart preaches to you all the time, those things. Right? 
But David understood that, and David and Heman and those other men, they preached to their own hearts. You have to preach to your own heart. You have to do that. That's how you guard your heart against that. You don't let your heart lead you. Man, if you do, you'll be the biggest victim in the world. You'll be victimized. You'll be sitting there like, you'll be in a bad mood and, and woe is me. And you'll be feeling like, a, you'll be feeling like a, a whip puppy that somebody kicked. Why? Well, because you've, you've accepted what your heart is telling you. That's not God telling you that. God doesn't tell you those things. That's your heart that is telling you those things. I'm to guard my heart, and the guard that is, is, is to be set upon my heart is the Holy Scriptures. God is a shield. He's a buckler and a shield. The armor of the Lord is to keep my heart. This guard and this watchman is to be set at the heart to keep it. This is the responsibility of the saint of God to watch in all things. Why we're told, my son, keep thy heart with all diligence. Watch thy heart. Watch what you expose it to, watch what you allow it to love. You and I as Christians were to keep our hearts, my emotions in the seat of all the affections and everything that is not to control me, but I'm to control it. I'm to be led by the Holy Spirit of God. You are to actively and aggressively and assertively direct your hearts towards God. Actively direct your hearts towards God. Assertively direct your hearts towards God. I'm not careful, my heart will lead me into wrongdoing. Remember, we talked last week about that sure guide for our lives, the scriptures. They're the guide of our youth and to our old age, and they guide us all the way home. Just like Christian needed his book all the way to the celestial city, didn't he? All the way till he got home, till the waters of death went, went over him and he went home. And he laid his armor down. Amen? Keep thy heart. Keep thy heart or it will keep thee. And it's a dangerous thing for your heart to take you. The world preaches another gospel. It's the Disney gospel. It's the, it's the gospel of follow your heart. It's just like preachers that you hear them say before, and I know some of them don't mean anything bad by it, but they say, I'm going to close my Bible and I'm going to preach from my heart. Well, don't do that. <laughs> It should, be a, it should be a warning. Look, I want you to close your Bibles because I'm going to preach from my heart. Uh... Now, I, I, would, I would talk to them in private and say, well, pastor, maybe that's not a good idea to say that. Maybe you didn't mean that, but <laughs> that's probably not a great idea to say that. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close my Bible and I'm going to preach from my heart. No, I'm not going to preach out of that old wicked thing. You know, to preach out of that old wicked thing. It's like you ask me, you ask me, do you think you're a good person? No. Are you kidding me? You ask lost people down the street, yeah, I'm pretty good. You, you, you ask a Christian that, you think you're a good person? No. No, you ask me that. You think you're a good person? Uh-uh. Oh, no. Oh, no. I mean, capable of, capable of anything if I walk in the flesh. Right? You believe that, right? That's not dangerous to understand that. It's dangerous not to understand that. It's dangerous to be a deluded fool and to think that your heart can't take you and you can't be deceived by it. How foolish that is. 
to think that this, that your flesh can't take you and your heart can't take you and deceive you. Foolish. You ought to be, you ought to be more afraid of your heart taking you than you are Satan taking you. That's the truth. Why? Well, because Satan don't live inside of you. He does enough to work with our flesh and the devil does. And I'm not, I'm not discounting that. You know, I've preached much on that. But my point is, it's you in the mirror, you and I, us looking at the mirror. We're more dangerous. Look, that whore down the street that's dressed nasty, that's, that's dressed provocative, she ain't as dangerous to me as this whole heart is. Why? Because this whole heart right here, from without, from within the heart, that's where it comes from. It comes from in the heart, right? Understanding that doesn't give me an excuse to sin. It gives me a reason to fight. You understand that? I'm not saying this today so you can go out and live like hell or I have some excuse to to be a fornicator or some wicked pervert. No, I'm telling you that so you guard your heart, so you realize that you pray against those things and you lead your heart and you don't live this life passively, this Christian walk, your spiritual life, but you're on guard and you're alert and you understand. I don't care how old you are. You think because you're an old man, you can't fall into sin, some of you? You think because you're an old lady, you can't fall into sin, some of you? You don't, think, you don't think your old wicked heart can't take you? Sure can. You can get bitter and hard and nasty and turn against God at your age too. Don't think you can't. Amen. You're not, a, you're not above any of that. You and I are not above that. We can be taken, we can be taken by our own lusts and our own desires if we don't cast them down and hate them. Hate it. You better hate it. You better hate it, friend. You better hate it. You better not love your own lust. You better not love your own sin. You better hate it and ask God to make you hate it more. You don't hate it enough, which none of us do. Ask God to make you hate it more. Amen. You have to guard your heart. Parents, be careful what you allow your children to love, what they attach themselves to, and that what they get consumed with. Right? There are so many traps out there for children today. So many traps out there. Whether it's social media or smartphones or, or, or you know, and by the way, all of it are just, it's a reflection of the heart. I understand that. It can be anything. But the point is, is that we can, we can get taken by, our, by snares and traps. We can get taken by them and the, because of our hearts. If we're not walking definitively by what this book says, you know what? No, I got to walk by what this book says, not by what I think. Not by what I want. Man, there's a, if you ask men if they were honest what they want in their flesh, well, they wouldn't be honest with you. And they, sh- they shouldn't tell anybody. <laughs> I, I, what, the, what I'm saying to that point is this, is that we don't follow what our hearts want. Right? We follow what God says. Does that make sense to you at all? I, I'm not going to glamorize any of us or lift us up on pedestals or anything. So we think in our minds that we're better than what we actually are in that sense. And we're not just sinners saved by grace, right? Given the Holy Ghost of God and shown mercy, right? 
Because we'd be given up to vile affections too if it wasn't for the Holy Ghost. May not be the same ones that somebody else does, but we'd pick our poison. That's why we have to guard our hearts against it and walk in the Spirit. It's a fight. It's a war. Don't ever forget that. And the war's in your mind. It starts there. That's the true battlefield, is the mind and the heart. That's why you're to set a watch on it. You know, you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to meditate on things that are evil. We're not allowed to do that. We're not allowed to, to keep our hearts in those places. And, 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 and you're not allowed to do that. You're supposed to cast that down and move on. You're not allowed to evil surmise about your brothers and sisters in Christ. You're not allowed to do that. God tells you to cast those things down. We're not, you're not allowed to think evil of others like that. Not that doesn't mean we're not, you know, we don't, we're not careful and circumspect. You know, we don't ignore things. But at the same time, we don't, we don't dwell on those things. We dwell on Christ. We dwell on his word. We ought to warn children to guard their hearts and to be careful of their friendships, the people they want to emulate and to be around, the characteristics of worldly people or worldly things. As Proverbs shows us to give them instructions, let them not go their own way. Let them not love what they want to love or who they want to love in that sense. If it's worldly, if it's wicked, if it's sinful, we warn them. See, it's very dangerous for children. Also, you have to watch how emotionally involved children get with things. And I'm not talking about even sinful things, okay? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really talking about that. What I'm talking about is you have to be careful what they, get involved, what they allow their hearts to follow after. Uh, some children by nature are very, they wear their emotions on their sleeves. They're very emotional. So they're, they're apt to give their emotions to others quickly, okay? I was one of those children. And I got hurt bad because of that. And the one thing that I, did, that I didn't learn until later in life is that you have to be very careful. That doesn't mean my whole personality is going to change. It just means that, that you have to put a guard on that. You can't allow your children to get overly emotionally invested. I'm not even talking about boy-girl relationships. I'm not even, I'm talking about as a pattern in teaching them. But don't let people affect you that much. Right? You've got to, you've got to, you've got to, be careful not to let, let others hurt you like that. And you have to be careful to watch your children that they're not being manipulated by others and treated poorly by others. I've seen that. I, I've watched that happen. And I'm like, don't, don't let people do that to you. I've told my children before, when, when, when other children are unkind or they're not kind to them or they're, or they're, they're being manipulative or they're acting like that, don't, don't overinvest yourself in that and don't allow somebody to make you feel that way. You don't do that. You have to guard your heart. You can't just give your heart fully like that in every situation and everything because, man, you are gonna, you're going you're gonna to be hurting. Yep, you're going to be hurting. So you got to teach them some of those things. You teach them to guard their heart. You don't let them get emotionally invested in people that you don't trust. Does that make sense? So you as a father and a mother, you watch. And if you see them getting emotionally invested in people that they shouldn't trust, that's family members, uncles, and all kinds of, like, maybe, oh, hold on a second. Maybe, we, maybe you better, you know, be careful about that because they'll, 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 um, they'll, mess with their emotions. And that's very important that that doesn't happen. They'll get manipulated. Children can be manipulated very easy with gifts, with anything. 
like that. That's why you have to be very careful with that. You watch those things. You, 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 you teach them what's proper and what's right, and you teach them that we follow God's word perfectly. Because there's family members that, that can try to dissuade your children from them walking in the faith, and they subtly do it with subtle gifts and different things like that to sway their hearts, right? And you have to, you have to watch that. You teach them. You, you, you teach them that that's not proper. Proverbs 4.1, hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. Number two, the word keep also has another application, uh, which is preserve. And uh, God says that that, that that word keep, thou shalt keep them, O Lord, right? Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. That keep and preserve, that's a double promise of God right there in that verse, right? So there's, I'm not correcting the Bible. I'm just explaining to you what it means. That it means uh, that that keep means the same as preserve as well. And that word keep means to preserve. It means, uh, to, so preserve your heart is the command from corruption. This, speaking, this is speaking to the born-again believer and telling him to preserve his heart before it is corrupted, not to let it be corrupted. Keep it for the Lord. Our hearts should be kept in store for the Lord and for what God wants from us. Do you know how many believers have prostituted their hearts out to the wicked world? To sin and to the devil? Have you seen that? You've watched it. They prostituted. They allowed their hearts to be taken, given out, abused by the world. One said it this way, we have to maintain a holy jealousy of ourselves and set a strict guard accordingly upon all the avenues of the soul. Keep our hearts from doing hurt and getting hurt, from being defiled by sin and disturbed by trouble. Keep them as our jewel, as our vineyard. Keep a conscience void of offense. Keep out bad thoughts. Keep up good thoughts. Keep the affections upon right objects and in due bounds. So you learn to take our affections and not let them run crazy, right? You got to keep them in bounds. That's what we're teaching. You know, it's kind of like one of the things the Bible says, uh, talks about a man that can, uh, uh, oh, I can't remember, um, better than a city. What does it say about self-control? I can't remember that verse, but maybe one of you will remember it and remind me of it. Yes. Yes. So it's having rule over your own spirit. Right? It, it, it's, it's better to have rule over your own spirit than a man that takes the city, right? Because if you have a rule over your own spirit, if you put a guard upon it, you're not going to give yourself over to things that will take you and, and destroy you. And we do that by the power of the Holy Ghost. We keep our heart with all keeping. There are many ways of keeping our hearts by care, by strength, by calling in Christ for help. We must use all of them to keep our hearts. And all little enough, so deceitful are they. Because they're so deceitful, we have to watch them. And above all keepings, we must keep our hearts with more care and diligence than we keep anything else. We must keep our eyes. Job made a covenant with his eyes. He would not look on a maid, right? We keep our tongues. Turn to Psalm 34. Verse number 13, 
Keep thy tongue from evil, thy lips from speaking guile. Keep our feet, keep thy foot, thou goest to the house of God. Remember in Ecclesiastes 5.1. But above all, we're to keep our hearts. It's like the control center of everything in you, right? Your heart gets turned. Your heart gets swayed. What did God tell uh, Solomon? He warned him that those strange wives would what? They would tur- turn their hearts, turn his heart away from God. He would turn you to go whoring after other gods. And what did he do? That's what he did. I mean, Solomon, the wisest man in the, in the, in the world, built temples to false gods, built idols to false gods. Right? If he, could, if he could fall for such a thing, then you and I could if we're not careful. Right? So many times God's people sell out and give their hearts to something or someone else and it drives them from the will of God. If something is going to drive you from the will of God, then you have to cast it away. Because nothing is that important. There's nothing that you want, any passion that you have or any desire that you have that's worth losing your fellowship with God. Nothing. Matthew twenty two thirty seven, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. That's the first and greatest command, right? That we are to love the Lord our God. Our hearts are to love God. They're commanded to love God. So that's why you and I, our choice is to love God, right? And to put him first. Not only a command, it's the only way we can fulfill that is through Christ. Amen. That's it through the Holy Ghost, through the redemption in Christ Jesus, that we have fulfilled this in Christ. We are to practically live it out every day of our lives. And we will fail at times, of course. But Christ never failed. So legally, I've obeyed this command in Christ because I've been saved by the grace of God. But practically, I'm to follow this command. I'm to love the Lord my God. I'm to love the Lord with all my heart. Notice he says that first, with all thy heart. Because the Jews understood this very well. They understood that, that, God's, that, that your heart was to be the throne of God. They understood that. I mean, Pastor Hoggard has a really interesting study about that with the chambers of the heart and, and, and how God designed the heart and how it's a throne and, and, and the chambers and the blood that flows from that. and everything. It's, it's really fascinating. But it's how God designed everything, right? So God shows us in his creation as well that bears that witness. That means that you and I, to love the Lord thy God with all of our hearts, that means that God alone has the right to your heart. Let me ask you, who has the right to your heart today? Who do you give the right to your heart to in that sense? In your walk with God and in your life, Right now, does God rule and reign in your heart or do you rule and reign in your heart? Now, you and I take it back often. I'm not, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to paint a facade for you. We take it back often, but your daily decision ought to be that God rules your heart. And he does that by his word and by his indwelling spirit. Does what his books say rule your life? You can't do that unless you're saved. If you're here lost today and you're not saved... You, you say, I, I can't do that. I know you can't. You can only do that through the Holy Ghost. 
None of us could. We all tried. Didn't work out very well for us until we got saved. When you get saved, then God sits on your heart and he rules and he reigns from there. And then you and I, of course, we have to be obedient. Of course, we have to follow him. He sure gives us the power to do it, doesn't he? He sure gives us the strength to do it. Some of you say, I can't do that. Well, maybe you're not saved. That's why you can't do it. For you that are saved, maybe it's because you don't want to do it. You like your way better. You know, there are such things as rebellious Christians. They get stiff-necked and rebellious and hard-hearted. People would like to have the excuse that they could get saved all over again, so then they could have a clean, clean slate, right? doesn't work that way. You have a clean slate in Christ, period. But the point is, when it comes to legally and your justification, but I'll tell you what, you have a duty and a responsibility as a child of God to follow the Lord. You have a duty to be obedient to God. And when you haven't, you don't get saved all over again. You humble yourself and you get right with God. You ask God to forgive you for your wicked sin and your idolatry and the idolatry of your emotions in following them, that you've set up your heart and your affections of your heart to follow your own heart and not God. Because we set up idols in our hearts. See, we're not like the Jews and we're not like Babylon. We, we wouldn't make statues. We just make them in our hearts, right? You wouldn't bow down to it. I mean, you, you obey that command not to make into you any graven image. <laughs> you wouldn't make any graven image there. No, you and I make them in our hearts. And we have to cast down imaginations at every high thing. And that's us. You're the high thing. You and I, we're the high thing. We exalt our, our understanding. We lean unto our own understanding and we exalt that above God's word. Amen. That's truth, friend. That's just straight truth. That's what we do. We put our own selves above God. And God chastens us for it and teaches us that you ought not walk that way. Amen. For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. They belong to the Lord. You and I should be preserving our hearts because they belong to God. What it, number three, what does the scriptures mean by the heart? Now, we've talked about this a little bit. We'll, we'll hurry through this part here. Your thoughts, your will, your affections, for out of it are the issues of life. Everything, all the issues of life flow out of the heart. Is, I one said it this way, is not this a plain allusion to the arteries which carry the blood from the heart through the whole body and to the utmost extremities? As long as the heart is capable of receiving and propelling the blood, so long life has continued. Now as the heart is the fountain whence all the streams of life proceed, care must be taken that the fountain be not stopped up nor injured. A double watch for it is safety must be kept up. So in spiritual things, the heart is the seat of the Lord of life and glory, and the streams of spiritual life proceed from him to all the powers and faculties of the soul. Watch with all diligence that this fountain be not sealed up, nor these streams of life be cut off. Therefore put away from thee a forward mouth and perverse lips, and let thy eyes look straight on. Or in other words, look inwardly, look onwardly, look upwardly. 
Proverbs 23, 7, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. You and I are to keep the mind from vanity, the understanding from error, the will from perverseness, the conscience clear of guilt, the affections from being inordinate and set on evil objects, the thoughts from being employed on bad subjects, and the whole from falling into the hands of the enemy or being the possession of Satan, not to be used of Satan as a tool to discourage others. Any one of us, if we don't walk with God, could be used by Satan. It could be to discourage others. Any one of us, we decide we're not going to follow the Lord. If we quit walking in obedience, if we turn from the holy commandment that was given us, if we follow the, if we follow the world, man, I'll tell you what, you, you're never in so much danger as you think you're not when your confidence is strong. You know, sometimes some, some of us walk around with very low confidence in things, and, and at times that can be, that can be very uh, discouraging in some senses. But when you understand the proper relation to that, that your confidence is to be Christ, it is not to be you. It is not to be our good living, our right living, or even the fruit of our salvation, right? It's to be Christ. Our confidence is Christ. It is nothing else. And God will show you that when you make an idol, an, an idol out of conscience, if you make an idol out of um, your works, or God's power in your life, or anything like that, and not Christ himself, God will show you that you are not to take confidence in, in those things, but take complete confidence in Christ and what he did. Because at the end of the day, you weren't saved by any of your own confidence. You had none. You came to Christ a beggar and had nothing. Right? And God soon reminds us later on in life when we forget that, when we think we've arrived spiritually at a certain place, that guess what? You haven't. You're still on this earth, and yeah. your confidence needs to be Christ, not you, not your good works, not what you do, not your obedience, but Christ himself. And you throw it all on Christ and remember from whence you came. Amen. Because that's who you trust in. That's who you're to trust in, not in yourself. Great diligence had need be used in keeping it, keeping our hearts, since it is naturally so deceitful and treacherous. A strict eye is to be kept on it. It is to be kept by all manner of means that can be thought of by the scriptures, by prayer, by hearing, by reading, by meditation, and above all, by applying to Christ for his grace and spirit to sanctify, preserve, and keep it. Amen. You and I go to the Lord. We go to the Father in heaven and beg for grace. Right? We go to the throne of God and we beg for mercy in a time of need. Right? We get it from God. That's where we get it. And our mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, the Son of God, God manifests in the flesh. That's where your strength must come from. That's where you get it from. That's where you go. When you have no confidence, good. Go to Christ. You shouldn't have any anyway. Christ is your confidence. See, I often lamented that, and I have in many times over, 
that when things happened, when I fell into depression and, and PTSD and other things like that, when my mind was taken like that and never been the same again, I often lamented the fact that, that, that my confidence was gone. I, I, I wondered when I would ever get that back. And God said, oh, oh, don't worry about that. I'm not going to give that back to you. <laughs> you just go ahead and go on your way. I'm not, I, no, I'm, I'm not giving that back to you. Wait, 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 Lord. I, I got to have this. Oh, no, you don't need that to serve me. No, 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 you don't need that. No, you need me to serve me. That's what God said to me. No, you need me. He didn't say those exact words. The point is, that's what he showed me. You, you need me. No, you, you don't need that. That got you in trouble. Remember how confident you were? Remember how you thought you were right about all these things? By the way, none of those things, they were, they, were, they were not Bible doctrine things. They were things of practice and things of doing different things and trusting different people. Remember how you thought that you were right about all these things? Yeah. We're not going to let that happen again. <laughs> I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen again to you. That will, that, that, that will never happen to you again. And here's this thorn in the flesh. To remind you why I did it and that it'll never and why it'll never happen to you again. I'll give that to you. And your confidence will be me. And you'll believe me. Amen. It's a safe place to be, although it feels horrible. There's that old thing of feelings again. It feels awful. Okay. Right is right, no matter how it feels. Isn't it? For instance, like, you know, if you and I had a, had a bill come up that, that we didn't know about or whatever, and we had to pay it, right? And we, we had to pay it. And, man, I thought I had an extra $1,000. Well, no, I don't. It's all gone. Well, it didn't feel good. <laughs> man, it sure didn't feel good paying that bill at the time, right? I mean... But right is right, isn't it? See, see how that works? My feelings told me, man, this stinks. <laughs> this is horrible. But it's not. It's right. So it's good. It's always good when it's right, isn't it? And not always feel good, but it is good. That's the difference. You see the difference? See, you and I don't feel good, but God says we are good in Christ. You see how that works? But that doesn't mean you're going to feel good. Just because, but God says you are good. Well, who do I believe? Well, I believe what God says in that sense when it comes to righteous in his eyes through Christ. I believe that that was imputed and imparted unto me. So that goodness, God gives us his goodness, doesn't he? When he saves us. So that's, that's a little bit easier to understand from that standpoint. The heart is the seat of all the affections and emotions. We talked about that. It's the seat of the natural life. It is the seat from whence all actions of life are derived. It is, as some say, the first that lives and the last that dies. It is the seat of spiritual life. The principle of it is formed in it, from whence all spiritual and vital actions flow and which lead unto an issue of an eternal life, as is a man's heart, such as his state now and will be hereafter. God changes hearts. He gives us new hearts. Amen. If the heart is quickened and sanctified by the grace of God, the man will live a life of faith and holiness here and enjoy everlasting life hereafter. And if the heart is right, so will the actions of men be. They are regulated and denominated by it. 
They will then spring from right principles and be directed to right ends and performed with right views. Great care, therefore, should be taken of the heart, since so much depends on upon it. And it is well, it is so well known to God, who is the searcher of our hearts by the Holy Ghost. He searches our hearts with a searchlight, doesn't he? Reveals things unto us. By the way, never think it's a bad thing when God reveals something about your heart. And it stinks. Right? God shows you something about you. Ugh. Good that you hate it. Ugh. That's terrible. Right? God showed it to you not to condemn you. To free you from it. To teach you to repent of it and to get it right. Not to, no, he's not condemning you with it. He's showing you. It's not all over. Oh my goodness, it's terrible. I mean, I can't believe, well, God showed it to you. That's a blessing. That means the Holy Spirit is reproving you. He's teaching you. You think you're going to, you don't think God was going to show you anything before you went home? Like, you're perfect already? <laughs> you think you look good? Man. God might show you, man, that's kind of manipulative right there. I shouldn't do that. Or God showed me, man, that's kind of, I'm kind of angry. I, should, I shouldn't be like that, right? That's right. That's right. That's right. That's what the comforter's job is to do. That's what he does. We'll feel very comfortable sometimes, but. But it never does, right? It's grievous for a season, right? That's what the Bible tells us. That correction. So when you're under heavy correction by the Lord, when God is really dealing with your heart, it's not God telling you you're a bastard. I, I just wish you'd understand that. That's. If I, if I can help you with anything, let me say that when the Holy Ghost of God is revealing to you things about you, he's not saying, well, you're a bastard. That's why I showed you this. No, he doesn't show the lost world anything. They just go on. Unless they're, unless they're repentant and they want Christ, then he'll reveal everything they need to know in time, right? Just like he does us. He reveals, by the way, the things that God has suffered been long-suffering with in your life, that doesn't mean he always will be. When you first get saved, there's a lot of things that God is long-suffering with. But as you mature and you grow and God teaches you more things, he shows you. You cannot do that anymore. Oh, man. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, what you did before, yeah, you, you can't do that now. You're done doing that. That's over. You're not doing that anymore. Amen. Has anybody ever had that happen to them? God showed you things when you're first saved that you lived a lie along that line. Then all of a sudden, it's like God said, you ain't acting that way no more. You don't treat anybody like that. You don't talk like that or you don't do that. Or that thing you harbored in your mind or those things that you did. Nope. You're not a kid anymore. Time to put away childish things. You're not doing that anymore. You're not, you're not acting that way. It's time to grow up. That's what God does to us. That's, that's why we're to have that guard on our heart and we're to understand because that's God's work. Scripture goes on to say to keep it with all diligence. That word means with great care. Keep thy heart with all diligence. That's a steady application. Constant effort to accomplish. So you mean, wait a minute, you mean I have to constantly guard my heart? I constantly have to keep my heart? Yes. You don't get to just like kind of float through life. You have to live for God on purpose in this life. You just do. As children of God, you have a Father in heaven, and you have to live for God on purpose. 
You don't get to just like willy-nilly, like let things happen and float through life. And no, you have to live for God on purpose. It will be purposeful. You won't live, on, live for God by accident. You're not here today by accident. You drove here today and you came here today on purpose. Amen? God brought you here today on purpose. He, allowed, he gave breath in your lungs and life to you so you could wake this morning to come here on purpose. That is God's grace to you. That is his love. So what does he say? Keep it. Keep your heart with all diligence. Do it on purpose. Take due attention. Pay attention to it. Don't be filling it with garbage. So it is with the heart. If you don't take care to guard it and protect it and preserve it with all care and diligence, actively conscientious of what you're doing and what you're putting into it, you will defile and clog it with wickedness. Just like if you ate McDonald's for like a year straight and that's all you ever ate every meal. Didn't some guy do that and he almost died? All I'm saying is those fries are good though. Um, <laughs> but you can't have them every day. Or you shouldn't have them every day. And I remember when I was like 20 years old and I was working and I just, I was a salesman, so I was always out. Man, I always ate out. <laughs> I just ate that stuff everywhere. Everywhere I went, I just ate it. <laughs> everywhere, right? But it, it's the same thing with your heart. If it's all junk food, you're going to clog your arteries and some people are going to die from that, right? Some people can eat it till they're 80. I don't know, 80, 90 years old, but some people can't, right? Just the way it is, right? For some people, they can do that. But for the Christian, you can't feed on junk and live a Christian life. You can't fill your heart with junk and be a faithful, productive Christian. You can't. God said it. You can't feast on those things. You'll, you'll follow them. You have to take care of yourself. You take care of your heart. 2 Peter 1.5, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. Due diligence on purpose. Great care and attention to your spiritual. Let me ask you a question. How much care do you take of your spiritual life, of your walk with God? How careful are you with your Bible, with prayer, with seeking God's face, with submitting to the Lord, with putting him first, in, in putting the word of God first in your life? How, how are you doing with that? Are you putting God first or yourself, your own selfishness? And not walking with God and not taking time to have a walk with God. Not taking time to guard your heart. Important, isn't it? You know, we say this in business or in any the other thing, and it's true about this as well. You know, you get out of it what you put into it. Don't you? God blesses devotion to him. God blesses obedience to him. When you follow him, when you're devoted to him, when you read your Bible, when you pray, when you seek God's face, when you walk with him, when you have daily devotion with him and you speak to God and you pray, you know what? God blesses that. Now, you might put a time frame and a number on that. God doesn't. He says, be faithful. For every man, that's going to be different. For every, for every person, that's good. there's not no one set time of, 
prayer. There's not one set time of how many chapters you read in the Bible. There's not one set time for everybody for that. But there is this, that you meet with God every day. Amen. Daily walk with God. We daily walk with God. And you ought to have that. You ought to set a guard upon your heart for that. Jesus asked that question about the issues of life and everything that flows from the heart. He said, do you not understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and, ca and is cast out into the drought? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart and they defile a man. That's why you need to be saved. If you're here today, you say, I'm trying to obey God, but I just can't. I love my sin. I follow my sin. I just, I, I, I don't, I don't follow the Lord. Well, the reason why is because your heart is filthy. It's desperately wicked. And if you've never trusted Christ, he's never given you a new heart. If you never repented and believed the gospel, then your heart is dead. It's dead in trespasses and sins. So what do dead people do? What dead people do? They're dead to truth, right? You go out there, you marvel at the world, and you look at the world, and you think how wicked the world is. Nah, that, what we should do is, is marvel at Christians that are professing Christians and say, how wicked are we? How much lack of a, how lack of a devotion do we have, and how how does our walk lack the way uh, what it should? And Lord, I need to do more. I need to be a better example to the lost and dying world. I need to be a better example to them. I need to walk. Don't never be surprised at the depravity of man, because it's there. Your heart is fallen. So when you tell me, well, I can't do this. I can't do right. Of course you can't if you're not saved. If you don't have the Holy Spirit. But if you do, then God gives you a spirit and he gives you the ability to serve him. You have to obey him. You have to follow him. But only Jesus can give you a new heart. Only the Lord can change you. Like, you can hear this preaching and you can read this book and you can, and God will work on you, uh, but you have to repent and believe the gospel. You've got to make that decision and come to Christ when God shows you that you're lost. Only God can show you that, by the way. It's the Holy Spirit. We can preach it, but it's the Holy Spirit that drives it home. He's the one that does that work. I didn't get saved by me because I made a decision. I got saved because God Almighty showed me I was a wicked, hell-bound sinner. The Comforter came and he revealed it through the preaching of God's word that you are lost. Amen. That's the means that he uses. Today are the very means that God uses in that sense. That's what he uses. God uses those things. Why? Is it because we're great preachers? No, because we have a great God, and that's what God chose to do. <laughs> it's, not, it's not because of me. It's not because I don't, I don't save anybody. I go take the message of Christ to a lost and dying world. We, we don't save anybody. God's the Savior. Christ came to die for sinners. And if you can't follow this book, it's because you don't have the spirit of this book. You know, why, you know why we can follow this? And I'm not saying perfection, but you know why we can follow this? Because we have the spirit that wrote this. We have that. You that are saved, you have that. You know why you understand and you can open this up and you can understand these things? Well, it's not because you're really smart people. Or that I'm really smart. It's not because of that. It's because of the Holy Ghost. Because he illuminates us. He gives us light and understanding. So we're able to understand the things of God. If this book is dark to you, it's because you're not saved. 
God shines the light. He shows you the truth of it. He shows you what it is. He shows you by His Spirit. and He gives it to you. And He guides you through it. And if you're a child of God, you have the Holy Ghost. That doesn't mean you have perfect understanding. I'm not saying that. It doesn't mean there's not going to be times of darkness in your life. But truth will always be there. There's going to be fearful times in your life. They're going to, by, by the way, you're, I always, the one thing God taught me is that when you go through this book, in whatever condition you're in, whatever situation you're in, whatever fears you have, God has the answer in here. You know, no man could comfort me. Men tried to comfort me when I went through deep turmoil and, and heartache and depression and all kinds of other things like that. No man, but you know what God did? He locked me into himself and he said, but I'll comfort you. I'll give you, the, I'll give you what you need. And that's what he did. That's what he'll do for you. There isn't anything in this world that the answer is not found in this book. And I mean anything. And you'll hear people say all kinds of different excuses about that. And it's like, yeah, whatever. God's word is truth. You know why I ain't on funny pills today? Because God showed me, well, you don't need those. You need me. You know why I didn't take all these? Because by the way, now it's becoming more popular for people that are on, that have depression and all these different issues and PTSD or this, to take medicine, to drug them up. It's very dangerous. It kills them. And it makes them addicted to it. And it'll cha- it changes them. It alters them. And God showed me, no, you, you got it. It's all right here. Right? That's what God showed me. Yeah, but Lord, none of this feels great. It's not supposed to. You're being chastened. <laughs> it doesn't feel great. But you're learning. Right? And God said, I'll, I'll teach you. You don't need any pills. You don't need any of their medicine. You don't need any of their, you don't need any of their drugs. You don't need pills to make you happy. You need to believe me. You need to follow my word. That's what God told me. You need to follow my word. You need to follow me. I'll take you through the darkness. I'll take you all the way to death's door. Amen. I'll be with you all the way. I'll take you all the way home. Amen. It's powerful, isn't it? God warns us of those things to put a guard on our heart. Because out of it are the issues of life. Out of our heart. Out of a heart well kept will flow living issues. To the glory of God and to the edification of others. In general, all the actions of life flow from the heart. And therefore keeping that is making the tree good and healing springs. Our lives will be regular or irregular, comfortable or uncomfortable, according as our hearts are kept or neglected. See, when you go through some things, when God, when God takes you through some things, the one thing that you learn about that is that God is sufficient for everything. God's word is sufficient for everything. He'll see you through all things. Some closing principles. Number one, fortify it with good principles. You would keep your heart, fortify it with good principles. A city unfortified is open to assault on every side, and so is the heart, if not duly fortified by the principles of true religion. When therefore anything attempts to gain possession of your heart, you must keep it for Christ and for him holy and for him alone. Nothing is to break into this principle. Nothing. Amen.
Let earth and hell assault me. I must oppose them in this impregnable bulwark. Depart from me, ye evildoers. I will keep the commandments of my God. Next, you would keep your heart, watch all its most secret motions. A citadel, however strong, if filled with traitors, waiting for an occasion to open it to the enemy, needs to be guarded with peculiar care. The professed defenders of it must themselves be watched. So it is with the heart, notwithstanding it to be present, a present garrison for the Lord. It is inconceivably difficult in many instances to distinguish between the loyal and the treacherous. They are both habited in the same uniform and both make the very same professions, both to appear actuated by the same holy zeal. There is not a motion of the heart, but must be strictly marked. Its associates must be carefully noticed, its tendencies examined, its professions scrutinized, lest Satan himself be found there under the semblance of an angel of light. Number three, be earnest, be constant, and be persevering. Satan never stops, and we must not stop guarding, watching, directing, praying, and leading in the power of the Holy Ghost and by the Scriptures, our own hearts. Father, Lord, thank you. And Lord, we pray for those that do not have Christ in their heart. They've never been born again. They've never been forgiven of their sins. They've never believed on the gospel, Jesus Christ. Lord, we just pray that they would come under the holy terror of God today. Hell's flames would be hot upon their souls. They would see their dire, lost, and dead condition, not able to obey God, being dead to the things of God. And that, Lord, you would quicken them and give them life today. They would repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, your children that are here, help us to guard our hearts. Lord, help us not to give in to them. Help us not to give in to our affections and lusts, but to crucify them. Help us, Lord, to obey you. Help our divine principle in our hearts to be Christ alone. Help us not to trust in anything else but you. And help us not to follow anything else but your word. Help us to be faithful. Help us to guard our hearts. God, please help us finish strong, all of us. We know not when that time will be, when our race will be over, but dear God, keep us in the faith. Help us to watch our hearts. May sin not take us, Lord. Please, by thy grace, in Jesus' name, amen.